Chapter sixteen of From Bangkok to Bombay Siam, French Indochina, Burma, and Hindustan by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. The Farms of the Himalayas. All around me in the foothills of the Himalayas, more than seven thousand feet above the level of the sea, are hundreds of tea plantations. Every year they are sending millions of pounds of their product to cheer but not inebriate people in all parts of the world london office boys and clerks as well as members of parliament smartly gowned women in new york hotels boundary riders and miners in the lonely places of the australian bush men and women in turkey arabia persia and other lands will at some time today refresh themselves with the beverage brewed from the small green leaves grown away off here in the shadow of the world's highest mountains you remember the temperance landlady's remarks to her bibulous boarder i will sleep you and eat you but i'll be blessed if i drink you india bids fair to drink the world for her black teas have practically monopolized the markets of europe and are widely sold wherever white men live the largest shipments go to great britain which is a big distributor of teas to other countries some are sent to australia and canada of the 94 million pounds of tea the United States imports each year, 20 million pounds comes from India and Ceylon direct, and we buy 15 million pounds more through Great Britain. But we still get most of our tea from China, Japan, 36 million pounds from the latter country, and 15 millions from the former. Of all the Western nations, the British are the greatest tea drinkers. Their consumption amounts to six or seven pounds per person every year, where our people each drink less than one pound. The Germans and the French prefer coffee and wine or beer, sipping tea only now and then. The Chinese and the Japanese drink tea throughout the day. The Chinese will not drink water unless it is boiled, and they even flavor the water with tea. The consumption of these two nations is probably greater than that of all the rest of the world put together. But for lack of statistics, no one knows just how much it is i have traveled extensively through the tea fields of japan and china and know something about them the methods of cultivation and curing are far different there from those of the big plantations of hindustan in the former countries though there are some large plantations most of the tea is raised in small patches the usual tea garden of japan is not much bigger than a city lot and that of china is not larger than the average flower plot in china traders go about the tea districts and buy up the crops from the small growers these men sell to other traders and one crop may pass through a half dozen different hands before it is shipped to hankow and put aboard one of the big steamers for europe in india as in java tea is grown on extensive plantations some of which cover hundreds of acres and require thousands of men and women as laborers they are handled in a business-like fashion and the huge crops do not pass through the hands of so many middlemen as in china the owners have made a science of growing tea and in the last thirty years or so the average yield of the indian plantations has been increased by from three hundred to six hundred pounds to the acre the highest yields in india are obtained in assam where they run to about 800 pounds. This figure is not up to the yields of Ceylon or Java, in both of which more than 1,000 pounds 
have been obtained from an acre at present the tea industry of hindustan represents an investment of more than one hundred million dollars and in the neighborhood of seven hundred thousand people are employed upon the plantations the area under cultivation is steadily increasing and it is said that the plant may be raised all along the southern slopes of the himalayas at from three to six or seven thousand feet above sea level to do its best the shrub must have a warm subtropical and moist climate and a well-distributed rainfall of not less than sixty inches a year in the himalayas most of the land used is rolling or hilly and the best soil is a reddish sandy loam with a free subsoil the seeds are first planted in beds one year later the seedlings are set out in rows a few feet apart they are carefully cultivated and trimmed in order to make them grow bushy the soil is often top dressed with woods earth and chemical fertilizers are frequently used cattle manure is not available in india as the people use that for fuel after the plants are three years old they are ready for the first plucking the leaves are carefully pulled off a certain number being left to keep the plants growing it takes five or six years for a shrub to mature and at the end of that time it should produce a pound or more of tea every year the tea planters of india have worked out a system whereby five pickings a year are possible whereas in china only three are made many of the trees about here are forty years old and there are some in china so old that no one knows when they were planted in the plantations i have seen near darjeeling the plants range from four to six feet in height some have trunks six inches in diameter and others are mere stems the fresh leaves look not unlike those of the willow tree but when crushed they smell like tea the shrub is a species of the camellia i passed through many plantations on my ride up the mountains from calcutta the bushes rise in terraces up the sides of the hills looking at a distance rather like well-trimmed boxwood hedges here and there i saw gaily dressed women plucking the leaves their bright calicoes making spots of vivid color amid the green and their jewelry flashing in the sun on her back each picker had a basket holding about two bushels and kept in place by a band around her forehead the planters here are chiefly british and many of the estates are owned by corporations the managers of these properties live in fine bungalows surrounded by lawns and gardens not a few of them are the second sons of aristocratic families in england the processes of curing tea in india are different from those used in japan and china in the latter countries nearly everything is done by hand and the methods are unsanitary in the extreme though the use of machinery is slowly making its way in china i have seen women and girls pressing the moisture out of tea leaves by treading on them with their bare feet there are also the leaves are rolled over and over with the hands and fired in red-hot pans by half-naked perspiring workmen in india and in ceylon the tea is all rolled by machinery every plantation has its factories where the leaves are withered and rolled between steel plates so carefully adjusted that they do not injure the leaves the drying is done by hot blasts and revolving fans so that the product is perfectly clean it is carefully graded and while still warm it is packed in lead-lined chests for shipment abroad 
the chests are soldered and made airtight so that the tea cannot absorb moisture and grow moldy making the chests in which india tea is packed has become a considerable industry between three and four million boxes being required every year before the world war less than half this number were manufactured in india practically all the rest being imported from great britain the material used was russian birch or alder and when war conditions cut off communications between russia and england the wood was shipped via vladivostok directly to india this naturally stimulated the home manufacture of tea chests and it is hoped the industry will develop sufficiently to supply the entire indian demand the wood used for tea chests must be thoroughly dried out lest the sap corrode the lead lining it must be odorless for tea absorbs odors readily and it must be seasoned or the warm tea may warp it experiments tried with steel chests have proven them to be too expensive for general use while india and ceylon are selling tea to the rest of the world the people themselves consume comparatively small quantities the hindus drink almost no tea and the mohammedans but little tea drinking is somewhat on the increase among the townspeople but there are millions in india who have never seen a tea leaf or tested the brew over in burma they have a way of pickling the leaves of the tea plant and eating them for a relish the leaves are left in boiling water until soft and then rolled on mats by hand and rammed into a tube of bamboo which is then stopped up and buried in the ground for a time the leaves are also prepared with a mixture of oil and salt and sometimes with asphotida the resulting mess smells not unlike limburger cheese but it is said to be a digestant and is considered a dainty it is used upon ceremonial occasions another method of preparing pickled tea is to throw the leaves after they have been steamed and flavored into pits of masonry or wells lined with planks or bamboo in which they are pressed down with a heavy weight i am told that some of the himalayan tribes churn tea as we churn butter the leaves are mixed with soda and water and put on to boil when the mixture is quite hot butter and milk are added and the whole is put into a tea churn after it has been well shaken about it is taken out with the foam on it when it is ready for drinking the tibetans serve their tea in a somewhat similar manner using brick tea such as that used by the russians most of the brick tea is made in china and i once visited a factory in hankow where one thousand sweating coolies were grinding tea leaves to dust and making them into little blocks for use in the samovars of the russians the business suffered a big slump after the bolshevik revolution but russia is now buying brick tea from india and ceylon as well as from china the world owes its tea to china where it has been grown for nobody knows how many centuries according to legend it was introduced there by the emperor chinung in 2737 bc it was certainly in use there in the sixth century a d and had grown so common by the eighth century that a tax was levied upon it from china tea culture spread to japan where the industry is at least twelve hundred years old but no knowledge of the beverage seems to have reached europe until the portuguese began trading with china in fifteen seventeen in the next century the dutch established themselves on the island of bantam learned of tea from the chinese 
and introduced into europe the habit of drinking it in his diary samuel pepys that up-to-date londoner writes on the twenty fifth of september sixteen sixty i did send for a cup of tea a china drink of which i never had drunk before so it must have been a novelty in england at that time furthermore tea then appears to have been considered more as a medicine than as a pleasant beverage and stimulant about the time that pepys had his first taste of it thomas garway the english tea dealer and the founder of a well-known coffee-house issued a broadside giving an exact description of the growth quality and virtues of the leaf tea this curious advertisement is still preserved at the british museum it claims that tea helps headache giddiness and obstructions of the spleen it is good against lipitude distillations and cleareth the sight it vanquisheth heavy dreams easeth the brain and strengtheneth the memory it strengthens the inward parts and prevents consumptions and is good for colds dropsies and scurvies and expelleth infection i should say some of the writers of patent medicine advertisements must have studied garway's broadside up to about one hundred years ago china and japan supplied the world's tea market by the eighteenth century the business of meeting the british demand was a monopoly of the east india company which turned its attention to cultivating the shrub in its own domain in eighteen twenty sir david scott the first commissioner of assam submitted to the government botanist at calcutta certain leaves which grew wild on the assam hills with the statement that they were said to belong to the tea plant the specimen was classified under its proper botanical name and there the matter rested while the officials sent to the tea districts of china to procure seed and skilled workmen some years were lost in experiments with different chinese varieties before at last the wild tea plant of the assam hills was cultivated and india's tea industry got its real start for twenty years india has been the leading tea exporting country ceylon comes next and china is now third though she still produces about half the world's crop india produces one-fifth and ceylon a bit more than half as much ceylon's industry is less than sixty years old for it began after the great blight of eighteen seventy put many of the coffee planters out of business and turned their minds to tea culture both ceylon and india owe their leadership largely to good organization and to well-planned advertising in both countries the planters got together and agreed to pay a small tax on every pound of tea they exported this was collected by the government and turned over to the planters who used the sum realized to herald abroad the merits of their teas india and ceylon are black tea countries while china and japan are green tea countries the difference between black and green teas is merely a difference between the methods of curing and does not lie in any variation in the leaves the advertising of the indian and ceylonese planters is largely responsible for the greater popularity of black tea in the world's markets today ceylon has dropped her tea tax or cess as it was called but in nineteen twenty one india doubled hers laying an assessment of one twelfth of a cent on every pound exported the receipts from the cess which come to about half a million dollars or more in a year are divided a large share being spent on publicity in the united states 
another part going for advertising through the grocery stores of france and another considerable portion being reserved for advertising tea in india itself largely as a result of the propaganda of the indian tea association consumption of tea in india has more than doubled in the last few years tea shops have multiplied not only in calcutta madras and other big cities but also in the smaller towns especially in southern india End of chapter 16